I've got a way of shutting broadcasters up. Ooh, I've got a man who didn't have a rubber soul. Welcome to Date Fight, a very happy hump day to you, and it's the podcast where we take great moments that occurred on this very day in history and pitch them against each other. Yes, indeed. He is Jake Yap. I am Nat Tapley, and together we are hauling in the lobster traps of history to see what exciting crustaceans we can find within. You know, they don't scream. No. It's the steam from their boiling flesh, Nat. No, it's the sound they make when they're happy. We've discussed this. It's excitement. Should we do sad first or happy first? I'll do sad first, because then at least there's okay. something to pretend it's worth living for. <laughs> OK, well, this is sort of happy, because usually we talk about how terrible the British Empire was. Well, yeah. in this case, the British Empire wasn't terrible. The Belgian Empire was terrible. <laughs> I'm taking you back to the 5th of February, 1885, when King Leopold of Belgium established the Congo as his own personal possession. In 1876, ten years earlier, King Leopold held a humanitarian conference for Africa to found the International African Association to make the case that Africans really could do with a bit more of our help over from over here in Europe. Oh, okay. um, Stanley, who you might remember from Livingston and Stanley, had been going around Europe trying to persuade everyone that they what they really wanted to do was invade the Congo, uh, but the British weren't interested because they had their hands full in South Africa and other places. Um, so he went to Belgium and he told King Leopold about it and King Leopold was very excited because they didn't have any African colonies. Um, so in November 1884, Bismarck called together a conference of 40 nations to decide the future of the Congo. Those nations were Austria, Hungary, Belgium, Germany, France, Portugal, Italy, the UK, Russia, the Ottoman Empire, the USA. Can you guess which nations weren't invited? The Congo? Yeah, anyone anyone who lived anywhere on the Congo was definitely not invited to this conference to decide the future of the Congo. Wow. After which it was decided that Belgium could have most of it. So Belgium sent Stanley up and down the Congo with long written contracts in French to give to uh, tribal chiefs to get them to sign in exchange for goods which they'd brought from Belgium, um, signing over large chunks of their land. So he could then come back and say, look, I've got signed pieces of paper. Did anyone tell them what they meant? No, they did not. They just got signatures and Leopold then said, well, this means I own everything. Wow. Um, Congo, no one really wanted because they thought it was a bit rubbish in 1884. But then in 1887, inflatable tyres were invented, which meant the demand for rubber went through the roof. And the, one of the only places that had rubber trees was the Congo. Oh. Which led to one of the worst humanitarian disasters in history. As and that's saying something. Yeah, as Leopold wanted to make lots of... He was making loads of money off the rubber, but he wanted even more money. So each village was given a um, an amount of rubber they had to collect every year. And if they didn't meet it, um, they were to be killed. And their hands cut off to prove wow. that they had been killed. And as a result of this, and resulting famines, when obviously farms weren't tended and fields weren't tended because people were too busy trying to get rubber from rubber trees, 13 million people died. Oh, my God. It was exposed when Roger Casement, a British journalist, went over and told everyone what was happening over there, but it's still gone on for about 20 years. And yes, it's one of the worst imperial disasters in history. And the British didn't do it! Yay! <laughs> it's come to this. Um, so that's my sad thing that happened on the 5th of February, 1885. King Leopold, who 
wasn't a very pleasant person. Oh, by the way, don't look at the Wikipedia article about this. The Wikipedia article mainly talks about how good he was and how difficult it was to um, to get things done in the Congo. It was a very inefficient place. Um, listen to... Uh, there are many good podcasts, but I would say Robert Evans' Behind the Bastards is probably the best one on this. Or read books. Books are always good. Well, not always good. They're not always good. No, they're... <laughs> There's one They're very always better than the equivalent podcast. Low-hanging fruit notable exception <laughs> to that. <laughs> it's good to have read it, though, to know what it says, Jake. Right. I mean, the book right. itself is good. I just did the colouring in. Um, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean that, that is a genuinely horrific story, and yeah. I, I don't wish to make light of it, but, of course, they, uh, the Congo was set with a, a second kind of awful hit when uh, there was the discovery of Umbongo there. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, no, but there, I mean, it did say they drink it there, they drink it in the Congo, so that was fine. Well, I mean, that was the cruel, that was the thing. It was an absolute lie because they don't. Oh, every no. drop of it got exported. Oh no! No Cong- Congolese child ever tasted Umbongo, and yet they curse the name of Libby's to this day, up and down the Congo Delta. <laughs> I don't know if it has a delta. That's. <laughs> I'm uh, going to think very carefully about whether I keep that. Yes. In. <laughs> Is it their munching hippopotamus? And cursing King Leopold. Yeah, yes, and sucking on frubes. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, where are we in this piece? It's my go. It's your go. <laughs> I remember yeah. this. Um, I'm going to save my my jolly one. Let's 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 keep it mm. uh, on on the terrible low down mm-hmm. tip. And I'm going to take you to the fifth of February, 1917. Mm-hmm. When the Congress of the United States passes the Immigration Act of 1917. Oh, good. Against the veto of President Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. This was because everyone was frightened of the yellow peril. The perceived threat of Asian societies replacing the American identity. Mm. The American identity, which was only about 20 minutes old by then. Yeah. There was no American... Well, if we can talk about anyway. Yeah. There had been laws restricting Asian immigration before. Yeah. There had been the Naturalisation Act of 1870, which denied citizenship to Chinese immigrants and forbade all Chinese women. Uh, The idea was that because no one would want to have relations with a Chinese man, Mm. uh, it would be quite safe and the population couldn't grow without any Chinese wombs there because that's the worst. And then... They stepped it up and there was a a gentleman's agreement made in 1907, which was not particularly gentlemanly. That was with Japan Mm -hmm. to cease Japanese immigration. Right. But the Act of 1917 had a list of undesirables. There's a trigger word. Banned from entering the country. They included... This is basically a list of me and all my friends. Ready? (laughs) Alcoholics, anarchists, contract labourers. I'm at least two of (laughs) those. Criminals, convicts, epileptics. I quote, feeble-minded persons, idiots, illiterates, imbeciles, insane persons, paupers, persons afflicted with contagious disease, persons being mentally or physically defective, persons with constitutional psychopathic inferiority, political radicals, polygamists... Prostitutes and vagrants. Wow. Because the last thing you want is a party. <laughs> <laughs> also, they really went to town in the eyes there. And the other thing you were doing there was a love bad order. When they hit eyes, eyes went on for a long time, didn't they? Yeah, they, they got very illiterate. Idiots, imbeciles, insane. Yeah. yeah. I would ban all- alliterationists because I'm not a fan <laughs> of alliteration. 
write something funny instead. <laughs> I'm surprised they stopped there and didn't just say, people who refuse to get up and use a tissue. <laughs> if you've got a chance to make a list that long, you may as well just fill it with yeah. everyone. Pe- put, put people who leave tea bags on the side, put that in. Uh, is this about, is this about <laughs> Jackie? It's yes, the it draining board Jackie, is for actually. draining cutlery. Yeah. <laughs> people who leave wooden things to soak. <laughs> It's a book. Yeah, but what about porridge spoons? <laughs> See, we would have ended up... Just yeah. arguing all day. We would have got no further. We would have ended up not depriving immigrants of the right to enter our country, which would have been obviously horrible. The wooden spoon peril of Nathaniel Tapley. <laughs> really gets on my nerves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather people did soak wooden things than didn't soak other oh, things. Oh, really? <laughs> I like yes, the, I would. The one thing we both get really irate about is the way things go in the dishwasher and where things get left in and around the sink. Listen, I said exact. I said everyone was talking about like the Queen and Prince Philip celebrating. I think it was their sixtieth wedding anniversary, mm. and I was like, yeah, fair play, but they've never had to load a dishwasher. No, nope. that's where the fallout happens. <laughs> Do you understand the law of gravity? How's the water going to come out of that? Basic physics. It's a bone-handled knife. If you saturate it in water, it will disintegrate like bone does. Oh, you seem to know a lot about how to disintegrate bone nuts. <laughs> Hang on, let me just go through the list. Hang on, go through the list. Uh, uh, persons with constitutional psychopathic inferiority. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Happy birthday to... Sir Hiram Maxim, who ensured that we would rule the world by inventing the world's first fully portable automatic machine gun, the Maxim gun. Thank you to you. Happy birthday to Red Buttons, the American comedian and actor who won Oscars and Golden Globes, and he was in The Poseidon Adventure and Pete's Dragon, but he never played Buttons. Much to his chagrin. Happy birthday to Bobby Brown, star of the 2005 reality show Being Bobby Brown, which was called undoubtedly the most disgusting and execrable series ever to ooze its way onto television. Amazing. Is that the one where he um, helped Whitney Houston out with a mug of hot water and a spoon? Yes, I think so. I mean, but it was cancelled because he'd promised everyone she would be appearing a lot more, despite the fact she didn't have a contract and didn't really want to. Right. Anyway, that's Bobby Brown. It's his birthday today, so wherever you are, Bobby, you know, happy birthday. At least you're still alive. Happy death day to Adelaide, the abbess of village, who had prayed for relief in Cologne when there was a famine nearby and a well sprang up nearby which you can still visit to this day she was one of the major pilgrimages people did before the 17th century then in 1641 they opened her grave and found she wasn't in it so not so many people go there anymore because she isn't there doesn't matter just go and look at the fountain <laughs> happy death day to Banjo Patterson who wrote Waltzing Matilda uh, he was known as a bush poet and I'm not touching that with a barge pole yeah well <laughs> I am. All right, you can. <laughs> go for it. You can do an Australian accent and do a rude joke. There you go. You get two for one. <laughs> Happy death day to Michalina Wisloka, a Polish gynaecologist who wrote the first guide to sexual life for the communist countries, of which she sold 7 million copies. So, 14 million happy customers for Michalina Wisloka. Round two. In 1924... On the 5th of February, Mm. the Royal Greenwich Observatory begins broadcasting the hourly time signals known as the Pips. 
of the Greenwich Time Signal. <laughs> uh, this is a thing. If you if you if you're listening in the UK, then you'll know all about the pips. Yep. Uh, they are what punctuate the hour. It's five short, one long. Yeah. I think people all around the world know about it, don't they? I mean, Gladys Knight was so impressed by them, she started a band. (laughs) Yes, true. Uh, And they always showed up on time. Mm. But these were invented by a guy called Sir Frank Watson Dyson. Mm. He introduced them. He was an English astronomer. He also helped to prove Einstein's theory of general relativity. So, you know. So originally they came from Greenwich. Uh, then they actually moved them out of London and they came from uh, a castle. Mm. But nowadays there's an atomic clock in the basement of Broadcasting House, which I didn't know. Ooh. It's synchronised with the National Physical Laboratory's uh, atomic clock. Mm. And the, the, their timed, the pips are, are actually compensated for the time delay in broadcasting. Right. And so they are accurate even if you are 100 miles away from the Droitwich AM transmitter. <laughs> and that is the best place to be with reference to the Droitwich AM transmitter. Yeah. At least 100 miles away from yeah, it. Yeah, because it's 100 miles from central London. <laughs> Of course, nowadays, people listen on DAB, they listen online, and the pips are all over the shop, but they still broadcast them. Uh, Even when there's a leap second, and then you get six short pips and one long one. What? Yes! I didn't know about that. Did you know about that? No, I didn't know about that. That's exciting. When's our next leap second happening? I don't know when the next one is, because there's a lot of people saying, can we we not? Can (laughs) we not? Because it interferes with every kind of timestamp device and the internet, you know, all of that. So people are, are largely saying... Can we not? But there was one in 2016 and there was one in 2015. In December 2016 and July 2015. You do a very good impression of the pips, don't you? That's amazing. It's like he was in the room. 0.9 seconds Mm -hmm. for the shorts and... 0.5 0.5 seconds for the longs, if you really want to know, and it's one kilohertz tone. You can build it yourself, like I did <laughs> earlier, probably. I'm going to take you to the 5th of February, 1919, when Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks, and big racist film director D.W. Griffith founded United racist Artists. Racist artists. Yeah. Chaplin wanted bigger budgets. Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks had both had, were coming up to the end of their contract and surprisingly weren't being offered new contracts. So the three of them suspected something was up in the old Hollywood game <laughs> and they hired a private detective to go around and find out what the studio heads were doing. Oh. The, the detective found out that there was a plan to merge all the production companies so there'd be one big mega studio and mega production company which would then try and get long contracts for distribution with all... Uh, distributors or cinemas so that everyone would be locked in to buying everything from one place and they could have a monopoly on producing films. Um, So to prevent that, Chaplin, uh, Pickford, Fairbanks and E.W. founded United Artists as an independent production company and essentially uh, stopped that plan in its tracks. Each star was going to do five feature films a year. They didn't manage that. They started off... um, They managed about five films total a year Mm -hmm. between all of them. Um, And in 1957, they went public... um, they were up to 50 films a year by then, and they currently still exist as United Artists Digital Studios. And so for breaking the monopoly or the potential monopoly of the studios and ensuring there was a variety of places for films to come from, that's my big thing from the 5th of February 1919, United Artists, being founded by Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks and D.W. Griffiths. But he didn't really join in. He, <laughs> he stopped for a go. Yeah. <laughs> he was meant to join in with them. So, you're, left, you're, so you're celebrating the power of a racist, Nat. Is that what's going on? Well... 
he didn't really join it. He stopped. They were meant yeah, to all yeah. do things oh, together, no, he was, but he, he was found actually really nice. If you met him, like no, he, he honestly, wasn't really nice. I think so he, nice. he probably was. He definitely was not nice. He just wasn't very involved. <laughs> I mean, if we watch Birth of a Nation, it's clear he's not very nice. I mean, you understand I that I have think. to try to kill it because it's quite a good fact. Yeah, I know. But people are very fond <laughs> okay. of the pips. Imagine the world without they the are. pips. Come on, I'm just saying. I, will. I wouldn't know. How to turn my radio off. What? <laughs> oh, here comes the news. <laughs> Click. True. Why are Nat and I at each other's throats? Well, because... Yes. This is Why does a, it matter, Jake? And you get to yes. decide who wins. You can go online and vote right now for your favourite stories from today. If you go to mm. Twitter, it's at date underscore fight. And if you go to Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash date fight. Yeah. And then you can vote there. Or you can just launch Serade of Abusers. We literally just enjoy the, the, yeah. the attention. We're here to be pelted by your brain nuggets. We'll do anything now. We really will. That's it from us for today. We'll be back with another date yes. fight tomorrow. Why not come back yeah. then? Do you work in a ferry port? Yes, that would be great. Why not go on the tannoy? Yes, are you a history teacher? Set it as homework. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, do that, everyone. <laughs> right, we're out of here. Take care, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye!